everybody, and welcome to the first of many front and nationwide podcasts through The Athletic. This is Aaron Portsline, joined by Allison Lucan. Say hello, Allison. Hello, Allison. And Tom Reed. Tom, are you there? I am here. Oh my God, this is happening. <laughs> that music you just heard was uh, David Cook, at David Cook Music. This dude is an accomplished musician and, and a huge Blue Jackets fan and asked if we would be, what, interested in him writing theme music for the podcast. Are you kidding me? Yes, please. So it all came together this summer. The tune you heard leading in here was from David Cook. Uh, look him up. He's currently touring with a pretty well-known musician. I guess this woman has sold some records, Allison. She puts on one heck of a show. Taylor Swift is her name. You may have heard of her. So Indeed. certainly happy to have uh, David take part in this and, and be part of this. And we're ready to go here. Uh, the 2018-19 season is now it's just out there on the horizon. If you care to squint your eyes a bit and look, it's coming fast. Off to Traverse City next weekend. Training camp starts the weekend after that. Preseason games will be here before you know it. And the Blue Jackets will take the ice in 2018-19 with some interesting issues sort of hovering over them. We know this is a good team. It's been it's made the playoffs the last two years. I think everybody expects it to again. But there are some unsettled parts uh, to this thing as the as the Blue Jackets head into the season. You would, to ignore this would, would be to ignore the biggest story around. The team. So we'll get to this, and I'm sure that this will be uh, a big part of the conversation for this team. You might even get tired of it by the time uh, this thing comes to a head. But I feel like we need to uh, to address these these topics because it's what everybody's wondering about. Um, Tom, Allison, if we can have a conversation about uh, Bobrovsky and Panarin, these two uh, great players, arguably the best two players to ever wear the sweater for the Blue Jackets are unsigned and will be heading into 2018-19 as pending unrestricted free agents, the last year of their contracts. Uh, two different situations. Panarin is saying, I don't care to negotiate right now with the Blue Jackets, which is is being construed by the club, certainly, that he may not want to sign here, probably is looking to sign elsewhere. Uh, Bobrovsky's situation is a little bit different, and yet it may not end differently uh, than Panarin's does in that they have negotiated a bit, if you want to call it that. They've they've put their ideas down on the uh, table, and they are far apart. So as it stands today, these two players are heading into the season without contract extensions in place. That was the hope this summer, and I uh, we must consider now what's to be of these great players. Let's start first with Panarin. And and let Allison, if you want to go first on this one, we'll give we'll give uh, Tommy the first crack on Bob. But this Panarin situation from the moment it leaked out before the draft that he didn't care to negotiate with the Blue Jackets, quote unquote, at this time, it has been unsettling, to say the least, for Columbus. What do you make of this? What should we make of this and how awful is this? Do you see any rays of hope or do you see nothing but a difficult uh, road ahead here? <laughs> well, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's obviously disappointing for the, the organization and, and those who follow it. I mean, we've I think it's now almost universally accepted. This is perhaps the, the most talented player to produce on ice for this club. 
And so right. to, to lose him is you, you're, you can't replace a guy like that. This isn't a situation where, where another club is going to give up a talent commensurate with a Panarin um, to get a Panarin. So yeah. I, I think, I think it's, it's a hard swallow, right? It, it's just a disappointment and it's, it's not personal from everything we've heard. It's, it's not that there's a key issue. It's just a preference, which the player has earned. The player has earned the right to make this choice. And, you know, I, I liken it all the time. I say, you know, I'll eat anything that, that is put in front of me for dinner now and then. But if someone says you can only eat one thing every day for the next eight years, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have a, a, a preference there. So it's rough. I think that um, the team doesn't want it to be a distraction. I think the, the biggest concern is going to be managing this asset to get as much of a return as possible. It's hard when you know that this is a player going into the last year of his contract. He has a limited scope of where he wants to end up. And you have to find a team that wants to dance and doesn't just decide to say, well, gosh, he's just going to be a free agent next year. We'll sign him without giving up anything. So I I think that's, that's going to be the biggest concern. And obviously the player not getting hurt. Of course, that would be a worst case scenario. Tom, this is a, I mean, it can be dangerous looking too far ahead with these things, but I I don't think it is out of line to, to wonder and just sort of imagine what this could look like with this team. We suspect it's going to be, we expect it to be a competitive team. Certainly. What does that look like? If this team gets to mid to late February first, in a playoff spot, you think, can you imagine a situation in which Yarmo Kekalein trades his best forward out of that team, knowing that he's not getting equal talent back short term, certainly. But is that easier to imagine or is that more difficult to imagine than Yarmo Kekalein and just letting this player walk next summer with no return? Which of those is, is harder for you to get your arms around? Uh, I can't imagine him letting him walk. I don't, I don't, I don't see any, first of all, neither scenario is good. Let's let's right. obviously, uh, I can't imagine letting him walk under any circumstances, uh, letting him go into, into next July. And especially after we just saw what happened with the Islanders and John Tavares, right. if this were a team that you told me right now could win the Stanley cup this year, uh, as it's as it's comprised, I would say okay. Let's maybe maybe it would be worth taking that run. I just don't see them quite to that level yet. I see that there there's still three or four teams in the East that are ahead of them. Uh, it's going to be a rough road. They certainly could win a playoff round or two, but anything short of really having a legitimate shot at winning the cup and him reaching February and still unsigned and no signs of it, then I think you have to move him. And that is going to create uh, an uproar unless they're out of the playoffs or it looks like, you know, they're, they're, there's no, they're clearly not good enough to, 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 to go very far. Yeah. It's just a, it's an awful situation. If you're Yarmo Kekalainen and the, and the Blue Jackets, because it, I mean, the player is not an unrestricted free agent until next year. That is correct. But it, to a certain extent, he's calling his shots now, a year early. What 
this is for either one of you. What do you think the reaction is going to be uh, to Panarin when he takes the ice with the Blue Jackets this year? I could see it go one of two ways. I could see the fans here saying, geez, let's put our arms around this guy and let's 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 show him a level of passion and I don't mean the press box. I mean the hardcore fans saying, you know, who the hell does this guy think he is? Like, like you just want out of here? You really just don't want to be here in Columbia? And I wonder what the reaction is going to be when he touches the puck. And and I wonder if if you have a a thought or a a guess as to what that may look like in Nationwide Arena when he plays. Yeah, you know, I I think that particularly at the start, I think – the reaction is going to be positive. It's going to be what you said. I mean, this is, this is a proud group of fans. This is a proud community and why, what better impact can they try to make than say, Hey dude, we love you here. This is a great place to be. I fear that what could happen is if we have concerns about reported trades that get nixed or preferences or, or things that again, as I, as I mentioned, if, if things start to sour, that are going to impact this club long-term, then it's going to be more mixed. But I think to start, this is a group of fans that wants to to do their part to try and convince this guy to stay here. Yeah, I think it's going to be a mixed bag. I really do. I think there's going to be some, I think there will be booze, but I think the there will be people who try to cheer, cheer loud enough to cover up the, boot, the booze. Tom, you got any thoughts on that? Well, I'll take it. I don't know if this was your next question, but let's, Let's be more uh, to an audience that's even more intimate right away is the locker room. And what's the reaction going to be among teammates and, and how that's going to start out, knowing that your best player could be leaving at any time and has not made it, not shown any signs of the fact that he wants to stay. Now, you have reported there's a possible what, September 13th uh, deadline where he's not going to negotiate any further. If no move is made, correct. That explain that requires some explanation. I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, go ahead, finish your thought. Well, I think the first thing is going to not just the fans. It's going to be are the players going to be willing to accept a guy who they really loved? I mean, they. Uh, oh. I, you have a hard time finding anyone that said a bad thing, and I think publicly they're going to continue to say those things because everyone knows they could. That player could someday be in the same situation. Um, but I privately, you just wonder how that's going to play out in the locker room. Uh, either way, if the team gets off to a great start, then you're thinking, my goodness, we, we really could have a, have something going this year that this is a team that's never won a playoff round. And in the back of your mind thinking, well, what's going to happen here? Are we going to lose this guy just as things are starting to get good. So I think it's going to be, it's going to test players and coaches and management alike, not just, you know, and then the, then the fans after that. Yeah, we are, Tom, we're on video here a little bit. You you did jump ahead to my next question. Can you see my list of questions here, or how did you know? <laughs> you might want to put a door between us, Aaron. You might want to build a oh, door. There you go. Um, just, just some nuts and bolts stuff here. You, if you've been reading the our, our site, The Athletic, you, you probably know a lot of this, but just to brushstroke it real quick, there are people around the league that think that he wants to be a New York Ranger. Um, his camp is not you know, willing to confirm that or deny it, of course. Uh, other teams that have been mentioned, the Islanders, the Dallas Stars, Los Angeles Kings, both Florida franchises. Um, yeah, so this is, is the list. Well, 
there's a list in our town's head, Daniel Milstein's desk. But there hasn't been articulated to the Blue Jackets. Appetite. Aaron and his camp were to say, yeah, yeah, we'd, we'd love to go play for the Rangers. And he stays here for the short term. What what do those games look like between the Blue Jackets and the Rangers this season when everybody in that dressing room and people in the stands know that he wants to play for the other team that the Blue Jackets are playing against? Think of the awkward situation that that creates. So there can't be a list. There won't be a list uh, until such time as the Blue Jackets say, we're trading this guy because the trade deadline's coming. Um and, and I think that's just how it has to be. Now, the way that the agent wants it to be is that if the Blue Jackets get a trade partner right now, then they go to the agent and say, what would he think about playing for fill in the blank? And then at that point, that team is going to want to have an extension signed with Panera. And they're not giving up big time players and future picks and prospects if they can't sign him long term. Uh, and so that's where the negotiation would take part. That's what he. That's what that camp is referring to, with no no negotiations past, past September 13th. To be clear, they're still not negotiating with Columbus. They don't want to negotiate with Columbus, which is why everybody thinks that he's looking to play his way out of town. The, I think the Blue Jackets' best hope, and maybe this is small town idealistic porty thinking, is that the Blue Jackets have a great year. That his good buddy Cam Atkinson looks him in the eye. And sells him on Columbus. I've spoken to John Tortorella, who does not have plans to talk these guys into wanting to stay. Thinks that's unfair. But a few of his teammates will have those conversations with him, you can imagine. And how how are you feeling any potential, either of you, for a change of heart? Are, are, you, are you feeling like there's something that could happen this year? In the room, with the success on the ice, whatever, that could compel Panarin to change his mind and say, you know what, damn it, I'll stay in Columbus. Here's Here are my conditions. I want this this year, this, this term, I want this amount of money per year. I want a lifetime supply of Jenny's ice cream, whatever. <laughs> um, is this reasonable or is this, is this um, wishful thinking on people's part? I think it, it is difficult to imagine. But we, we do have an example of this in the NBA last summer, last year, last year, uh, the, the Paul George trade. Uh, Paul George, for basketball fans, was traded to Oklahoma City. All Paul George had said is, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going at the end of this year. I'm going to the Lakers. I'm going to L.A. I want to go to L.A. So everyone was like stunned. They're like, oh, my God, Oklahoma made this deal for him. Uh, forget the Indiana component for a minute. And Paul George went to Oklahoma and then liked it so much he decided to resign. It stunned everybody. That was one of the biggest stories this summer because everyone thought Paul George was going to go on to L.A. So it can happen. You can get there. It, the, the, everything works out. The player feels comfortable. Um, and in this case, he would be there. Uh, Panarin would be here for a second year. So he would have a second year to kind of get uh, more right. ingrained in the culture. And I think one other thing that we need to – you've mentioned in your story on Panarin a long time ago, and we've brought up, this is the guy that has just kind of been a hockey tumbleweed. He's really never set down roots since he left his hometown. He's been here a year, there a year, 
moving. He was in Chicago for two years. They trade him. So he's really never had roots. So this is a guy that, uh, you know, he's looking for a home. Uh, is it Columbus? I don't know. But that, this is something we're dealing with. It's not a guy that's been here like Rick Nash for six or seven years. So that's something he has to work through. I don't think it's impossible. I think it's improbable. And uh, it just adds to the, the drama of this whole situation. Allison, do you care to weigh in on that? I mean, I, I agree with Tom. I, I might be two iotas more optimistic to think it, it could change because you do never know. And uh, some have joked certainly not seriously, but we could have a, a less brutal winter than we introduced poor Mr. Panarin to last winter with his first time here. But never say never. I mean, things could change. It could it could be something that happens in the season that really shifts his mindset or shifts the way he thinks about how he wants to live his life away from the rink. And all of this worry for not. It would certainly be the best case scenario for, for those who, who support the Jackets. Uh, the, the Blue Jackets are willing to give him eight years, of course. They're willing to pay him more than they've ever paid a player. But that isn't the issue. The issue is a, a where does he want to play, which is what makes it different than the Bob situation. I don't think Bob is opposed to staying here, but apparently is, is um, and, and I say apparently because the agent Paul Theophanis uh, rarely talks to the media isn't talking at all to the media this time around, which is fine. That's why his client has not been in the headlines quite as much as Panarin. But the gulf between the two sides, in other words, the, what the Blue Jackets had in mind uh, versus what Bob had in mind apparently has been significant enough that there haven't been many, if any, further talks. Um, so he's going into the last year of his contract as well. And the Blue Jackets, it, it, it all signs suggest that they are treating – Bobrovsky, uh, with some urgency, certainly they would like to get him done, but with less urgency than Panarin. And this is this should not be perceived as a slight towards Bob in any way, but there are only so many teams that A, need a number one goalie, and B, have the capacity to sign that player for more than $10 million a year. Um, we're talking a limited number of teams, four or five probably each summer, at most, they could meet that criteria. So Bob's destinations would be certainly a lot more limited than Panarin's. If a 80-point left winger becomes on the market, a 100-point potential player comes on the market, every team in the league can carve out space for that player. I'm not sure that – I know for sure that, that the goaltending position does not have as much flexibility. But I think there's other things to work here, too, if you're the Blue Jackets, and that is you want to see this guy – be more than a regular season goaltender. You want him to see him do something in the postseason. What's the highest you would pay for this player, Allison Lucan? Oh, oh, brutal. Come to me first. I mean, I make him the highest paid goaltender in the league. Ah, uh, gosh, it, it's it's so hard because even take take the question away from the player. It, it, do you don't I mean, we've learned lessons from watching Chicago as well. Right. When you have when you tie up a significant percentage of your cap space with a small group of players, that changes the way you can construct your roster. So the economics of it are, are honestly where I go first. Then it becomes so difficult because, you know, the, the circular question is, well, 
Bob isn't great in the playoffs, but do you get to the playoffs if Bob isn't Bob in the regular season? And this is a man that has two Vesna trophies. So, I mean, does he deserve a raise? Yes. Is it millions and millions and millions and millions? That I, I don't, I don't know that I agree oh, per year. I don't know that I agree with that. And I think one thing that that some fans I've seen musing about is, well, just give him a shorter contract to at the higher number to see. And we have to remember here too that part of the desire for the, in fact, a lot of the desire for the length, the term of the contract comes from the player. They want sure. that security. These are not two players who say, oh, just give me a couple years and I'll see how I feel then. Their yeah, goal is to get. Their goal is to get this big deal. They've earned it. They've worked for it. So, you know, that that's that's the other trick, again, of the economics of it for me. Tommy, weigh in here. What would you give if you had the uh, McConnell family paycheck for an hour? What would you give the highest the uh, goaltender? Oh, it's it's hard. I I don't know. I I honestly don't know. And that's that's part of the issue. It's 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 is he. I think I've said this before. I don't know if Carey Price deserves Carey Price money. Right. Uh, right. Uh, a guy who's never even made it to the finals. Uh, and, 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 and let me just cut it. You're not saying that these guys don't deserve to be paid at the level they are. You're saying. Obviously, Bob has certainly accomplished a lot, uh, you know, for this franchise. And as Allison mentioned, they don't sniff the playoffs the last two years without him. Um, and yet you turn around and you look at the goaltender who won the Stanley Cup this year wasn't even the starting goaltender against the Blue Jackets when the playoffs began. So you you do you look around the league and you see guys one year Connor Hollebuck isn't it wasn't very good two years ago last year he was terrific. And Garen, you've said this for years that goaltenders there aren't very many Henrik Lundqvists who are just good year in and year out. Um, so I don't know. It's 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 a difficult situation, but I do agree in the overall thing that this is one I think you can let maybe play out maybe more than Panarin. Um, you would also have to wonder too with Bob's injury history. You know, does he really want to risk going into a season now? He's been healthy the last two years, but it's the several years prior to that. Uh, you know, with the growing issues, would he want to risk missing significant time this season and? Uh, you know, potentially lose out uh, on a bigger contract. So there is risk on both sides of this. I think one different than season or not, but I this sense of oh, Porty, you're breaking up a little bit. Could you could you start that thought over? You're breaking up just a touch. Okay, I don't. Nothing's changed. There you go. That sounds better. One thing to look for this season, um, and it may not look different than it has in the past, but I think it has the potential to where in the past it did not. And that is that with um, if Yunus Corpusala, who this will be his third year as a backup uh, behind Bob, if he reached this year where he's starting to really play well, and he's had moments where he's played really well, I don't think he gives up the net as as quickly as he did in the past. There was nothing he could do to keep the nets the last two years. Um, in other words, Bob was going to – the big dog's going to eat. And in, in, in times when Corpus Salo went long stretches between games, he would just go down to Cleveland and play. 
Well, now there's two reasons why that can't happen this year. First, he's, he has to clear waivers. So he, there's no way they're putting on the waivers and risking losing him just to get him down to the AHL for a start. So he's here. He is fully here. But there's also the case of the Blue Jackets needing to prepare for the future, for the future after Bob, A-B, if, if you will, um, where they need a goalie next year. And I know people are excited about Merzlikens. Hasn't made a save in North America yet. Um, I like the potential. I don't know enough information to to not like the, the potential. The numbers are great. The personality is is enthralling. I get it. But you don't know about this guy in North America yet. You know a little bit about Corpusalo. He has to be given the reins a little bit this year if he earns the reins. And I think that's something we could see this season and we should wonder – how uh, Bob is going to respond to that. It should it ever come to that. Do you guys have any thoughts on what, how the blue jackets might handle this situation as the season moves on with the goaltenders? Yeah. You actually took the thought right out of my mind with a little bit different of an angle is that, you know, to your point, everyone can make room for a winger like Panarin, but they're also incredibly hard to find. And the jackets have built a, a, a sturdy, goalie pipeline right now you know there are the questions about Elvis but again all reports look to be going in the right direction I don't think that what we saw from Matisse in Cleveland last year was perhaps what they had envisioned from him uh, with some injuries that kind of forced him up before he was ready that was supposed to be his his prep year before he really took the reins so I think that the Jackets have a pipeline that they can really give a thoughtful look to this year at all levels in Europe, in the A, here at at the NHL level. And that can help them make an even more informed decision about what they want to do in terms of how much they pay Bob. Tommy, any thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, you, you could certainly play him some more games. Uh, um, I, I wouldn't have an issue with that. Give Bob maybe more rest anyway, just, uh, so you're not having to play him as much anyway. Uh, we've seen the Rangers do that in the last couple of years with Lundqvist. Well, and some of the time. Uh, you know, if you think back when Cam Talbot earned his major contract uh, the year that uh, the year that uh, Lundqvist was out for a little while and when he wasn't playing very well, they, they decided to, to go with Talbot on longer stretches. Um, it's still, to me, it's, it's not answering the it's not getting us to, to what the question that they've got to get answered though. I, I think that I, I, because I don't think you're eventually going to turn the, the, the net over to Corpus Salo. I, I just, I still have a hard time seeing that he's going to make up that much ground because ultimately you're going to have to make a decision on Bob. And I, and while certainly he's going to help, it'll help uh, Corpus Salo and maybe help the Blue Jackets short term. I don't think, do any of us think that he's necessarily a long-term answer? So, Tom, you you are, I mean, I, I, I believe this is what you said. You're of the mind that if Bob is not here next year, someone will be brought in from the organization, uh, from outside the organization to be the number one guy. Yeah, I mean, you'd love to think that Corpusalo could do it, uh, but uh, I don't know. It just seems, I, I guess what I'm saying is it, to me, it's not. It's not. We're not getting to the the question before they have to make some kind of move. Um, I mean, do we believe that they would go into the playoffs and start Corpusalo ahead of Bob? 
Sure. That's, that's been the issue all along with Bob, right? He's not playing well in the playoffs. Right. Uh, so I, I don't know if, if we're going to get that kind of answer with Corpusalo if he's going to be ready. Yeah. And you, you, again, you, let's look at the Washington situation with Grubauer last year. They right. started with Grubauer. He was the backup that had a really good season, unseated uh, Holpe, and lost the first two games. And, you know, they were their Stanley Cup run championship almost ended right away until they went back to uh, Holpe. So right. I don't know. Again, I just don't think it answers what would it's, it would be nice. And maybe Corpusal does become a starter at some point. But I don't think what we're talking about here is addressing the situation. Uh, yeah. the, 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 the immediate question of what they're going to do with Bob, because yeah. just like, just like Panarin at the trade deadline, are you comfortable? And if they're in a, you know, if, if they're in a situation where they're they're they look like they could win the division or have home ice advantage, are you really going to move Bob at that point and thinking, Oh, Corp, right. Corpy's got this. There's no question. Corpy's got this. Yeah. I, I just I, I have a hard time believing that 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 he would a get that many opportunities, b play exceptionally that well, where the team would say no question, Corpy's ready to take the net. I just yeah. don't see realistically in that short a time we're going to get that answer. That's fair. I could see them going into next year with uh, Corpy and another guy as one A one B, with Elvis sitting there in Cleveland ready to make a move. Yeah, I don't for sure. For sure. I, I don't I think commit long term to a guy outside the organization if it's not Bob next year, but we'll see. I mean, they've drafted a goalie in four of the last five drafts, which I think is a really smart way to do things because you never know with these guys. Merzlikens looks like a hell of a player. Uh, I know they're high on Tarasov, yeah. but th- there's the the um, this is not a a um, a short bridge to them being NHL ready. I think that's still. I mean, Merzlikens maybe we don't know. But I think their prospects are at least a few years away from being the guy, if they ever are the guy. Um, so the, we've talked Panarin, we've talked Bobrovsky. There's one other key part of this franchise that's also heading into the last year. Um, and to speak nothing of management, they're, they're all heading into their last years of their deals, too. One gets the sense that something is on the horizon with Davidson uh, John Davidson, president of hockey operations, Yarmo Kikaline, the general manager, Bill Zito, assistant GM, and perhaps others. Uh, in terms of getting extensions, I think ownership l- likes the direction of this club, likes the way that, that these people work and work together. Uh, but John Tortorella, certainly a, 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 fa- a prominent face of the franchise, is heading into the last year of his contract, too. Uh, this will be his fourth season in Columbus. Um, maybe that's longer than some people anticipated. There seems to be this reputation with Tortorella that he's a short-term guy. Um, do you guys think that Tortorella is just getting started in Columbus, or do you think we're starting to see him come down the stretch? I don't get a sense. I don't get a feel at all that that's the situation here. I think that, that the latter. Uh, yes, I don't. I, I think that he. I, I thought he did a really good job last year. Uh, I think the year before, you could say everything, absolutely everything went right. Everyone played well. Everyone had either career years or were just, you know, Wierenski coming in the league was terrific. Thus Jones had a great year. Wenberg had a terrific year. And I don't want to say it's easy to coach, when, you know, again, and, and of course, Tortorella was the coach of the year. But they, a lot of things went right. They started great. 
They really never had that, oh, my goodness, are they going to make it or not? Last year, I thought he really had to do a good coaching job to kind of get yeah. them. And, and I think all of us were expecting at some, play, some point in there, I can't remember, the, somewhere in the middle of the year where the volcano was going to blow up and then he was going to blow up at some of these guys, and he never did. And that's always been kind of his M.O. in the past. The people that don't like him say, well, he's going to self-destruct. I didn't see that last year. I saw a guy that was able to get this team through really rough stretches, and the management helped him with some, some really good moves at the deadline to get them at least into the playoffs. And I really thought that was, you know, I picked Washington to win the series. And I know the Blue Jackets probably should have won it after going up 2-0. But I don't think that they underachieved by any stretch, given how many players had such bad years. And I think Tortorella did a great job. And to me, he's definitely worthy of an extension. Here's a thought that it's not on us, certainly, to defend John Tortorella. But there's this I hear people say this all the time. He doesn't stay anywhere very long. Right. Well, he was in Tampa for seven years. He was in the with the Rangers for four and a half seasons. What now? Yes, flamed out quickly in Vancouver, but I think we've since learned that, that team was 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 done with its winning and on its way down. What is the average length of time that a coach spends in an NHL team? I think Tortorella is above that average. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a. I don't know. I I just I don't I don't get a sense. And, and you guys are obviously around the team even more than I am. I don't get a sense, the feeling that, oh, man, this is this is this relationship is starting to really fray right. at the end. I, I don't get that sense at all from the players. Well, I chatted with with uh, Tortorella just recently and Matt Calvert came up and he was saying, yes, we, we absolutely are going to miss Matt Calvert and all of the stuff he brings said he spoke with Calvert after the way the season ended last season. He said, you know, the thing is, I love that guy. He, there's not a team in the league he wouldn't make better, but he is inconsistent. And I said, John, is there an analogy you can use to <laughs> to, to bring that inconsistently? In? And he said, you son of a bitch, don't take me down that road again. Um, but I think that's the stuff, the, the Matt Calvert thing at the end of the season is the kind of stuff that the people, and maybe maybe also Tortorella going off on uh, Jack Johnson and mostly Jim Rutherford with Pittsburgh after that debacle on, on July 1st, after they said some things that, that nobody in Columbus appreciated and Tortorella stepped to the front to, to defend it. Those are the things that they give uh, the maybe uh, too safe people here a little bit of pause. I think they love the job that he's done coaching this team on the ice. I think he loves the way that this team has become finally a, a, a team where you're starting to sense some sort of cohesion and consistency from year to year. Um, Allison, any thoughts on on John Tortorella, the, the, the whole of the man? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. I, I think that the, the, the vast majority of reaction I heard to Tortorella's reaction from outside the offices of Nationwide on, on July 1st. People loved that. People wanted someone to demand, to use his words, respect and yeah. not throw the organization under the bus in, in a perceived 
as those comments were perceived. So I think, I don't think he's wearing out his welcome. And, and I don't know that we could pick any coach who, while under employ, was beloved by all at all times, right? So he, sure. he's, he's certainly going to rub folks the wrong way. But I think what it's, what's more going to be tied to maybe when he wants to step aside or the organization asks him to is, is when that team does fully mature and become wholly themselves. I think that part of why he's so good for this group is we do talk about their youth, but we talk about the youth of the franchise and, and the youth, the, the inexperience at sustained winning. And I think that he can imbibe that in this organization like few others. And I think that's why he's, he's, he's around for, for a few more years, in my opinion, barring any sort of massive meltdown. But I, but I think I, I've said this, I think he, he too is on a little bit of a redemption tour of his own and he wants to, to prove something about himself to people. So I don't, I don't know that we see that either. Yeah. I, I just, I can't get away and torches a little bit about this, but it, it, Panarin and Bobrovsky are a bigger part of this for me. I just, I, 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 maybe it'll change once the games get started, even the training camp gets started with, with daily stuff going on. It just feels like this, this, there's a, there's a feeling of uncertainty about this team that I haven't felt before. There's, there's frequently, too frequently, been uncertainty about whether the team can be competitive or not. That's not the concern anymore. It's just what does the future look like here? And uh, do you guys think that when this season starts and, and camp starts and we start writing about positional inner team competition for positions and does Wierenski go back on the, the number one power play unit or does Jones keep it? Um, and all of this sort of the really interesting grindy stuff, who's going to get cut, who's going to make the team is that stuff going to fade? Or do you think that this, this, un, this feeling of uncertainty with Jesus, this is the last year that they're going to really have a crack at this for a while because of Panarin and Bob, does that fade or does that, does that uh, take over? Well, I mean, I oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't think that the, the idea of them, I don't think their, their quote-unquote window necessarily closes one way or the other, depending on what happens. I think there's still a good nucleus here. Uh, but I don't think that, I think that the uncertainty all year, I mean, until, until there's a resolution here, it's going to be hanging over this team. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and, and we've talked about it. What if they're really good? What well, if they're sitting in February, again, in first place, in the conference, and all of a sudden you've got to make a decision on this. In some ways, and you, boy, you hate to say this, but I'll throw it out there because it's the the elephant in the room here is that they completely crap out, bottom out. Then it becomes a lot easier, right? Well, they're going to move. That's that's that becomes easy. But boy, you know, then there's just carnage everywhere, right? You don't know right, what's right. going to happen. But I think that I think it's more of a chance. What we just talked about today or what we talked about earlier, this team's going to be pretty good. And I think it just, it ramps up. It ramps up. You start to get your hopes up, but yeah. always knowing at the trade deadline, these guys may not be here. Or if they do, if they are here, I still like you almost are look, looking ahead. Like, are you going to tell me you're going to go through with your two best, two of your three or four best trade assets and let them go for nothing at the end of the year. At least this way, you're going to be getting some futures that are going to help extend this run, even if it's not like right now. 
But this is a young team. It's not like it, it's not like a team that's right at the end trying to win a cup. Uh, this is a really young team, so it it may be a question of uh, maybe may a case of taking a step back to go forward by moving these guys. But it's not the other way around. It's, it's it, and it's just going to be hanging over this team all season. Yeah, I I, th- I think it's definitely a specter. That's just because I, we even see this from our our other colleagues at the Athletic who ra- are also highly optimistic on the Jackets, but. I think everything I've read, every preview, every projection ends with, but then we don't know what happens with Panarin or Bobrovsky, right? right. So it, it's it's everywhere. It's going to hang over everything. It's going to not be as easy because for money for Bob and for destination for Panarin, our front office is a little bit more handcuffed in, in the situation of the front office team. So it's it's going to be this heavy, heavy unknown I don't think it it devastates the team, but I think I think there's also an intangible here is that it does sting, even though Panarin, by all accounts, has enjoyed his time here, enjoyed his teammates and vice versa. For someone to say they don't want to be here stings Mm -hmm. and that lingers. And I think that we would be foolish to not want to hear more of we want to be here than have one of the best players in the league right now say, eh, not, not so much with Columbus. So I think that that's another intangible right. that lingers in my, in my mind. Let's go it's, back. One other thing here. Let's yeah. go back to how this kind of run for the Blue Jackets got started. And that was the Rick Nash trade and what it brought back. And, you know, when you look back to that summer, uh, think about letting Rick Nash go. And I don't think this was a situation. It's not quite apples to apples because Nash still had time Imagine Nash being a free agent and letting Nash walk and not getting that return because that return with Dubinsky, a younger Dubinsky, and that whole summer really is what got this group going to where it is today, right? So imagine not getting anything back for either one of these guys. Those are huge trade assets, and that's why this is so complicated and why they're none of us. We could sit here and talk for another six hours and not come up with a with an with a something that necessarily makes sense. Yeah. There's, there are no, the the only easy answer for Yarmo is, as you said, Tom, that they have an awful season and it, you're just unloading, but that creates a, that creates much Mm -hmm. more difficult questions elsewhere within the organization. So that, Oi, so you want to be an NHL GM, eh? (laughs) Yeah. And and you, and you do feel, you know, we're not fans of the team. But I, I will say this, and I, I think I've told you guys this. I, I feel bad for Yarm. I feel bad for the Blue Jackets management because they thought that the only thing they were thinking when they made that trade, the sod trade, was are we going to have enough money to keep both of these guys, right? Yeah. That was the issue. Like, was there enough money for those guys? Like Allison was talking about having to put so much money in just a few players. Boy, they'd love to be able to do that right now. Right. They're, 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 you know, this is something that blindsided them. I and I, you, and we all talked to people within the organization privately. They just didn't see this coming. No, and I, no. I, I can't say, how did you not see this coming? Because this, this, there wasn't a situation. The team yeah. was playing well. The players seemed happy. They were performing well. Oh. And, and from the GM's position, too, the, the asset management is key to, to all of this stuff. And so from 
Yarmo's chair, you put together three players to trade to Chicago to get a difference maker in Brandon Saad, right? Because you need difference makers. And 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 so then they turn Saad into a real difference maker, like another step up. And now they're in a situation where it looks like they're going to be trading uh, Panarin and going the other direction now with this commodity because they're going to be forced to. That's the really hard thing because you need it's so hard and so rare to find the players like Panarin unless you have high first round draft picks to have one here that you have to cash out knowing that you're not getting, as Allison said earlier, the full measure return for this player because it's just not so you're taking some risk with the prospects you get in return because you have to and for a small market team especially someone who thinks as as yarmo does as john davidson does to have to go this direction is to have your hands tied a little bit with a superstar you spend so much time to get your arms around on just a really difficult situation for them um, so I think this covers it. I think this was a heck of a start for Front Nationwide. Um, number one. Number two will be with you next week. We're going to start popping out two of these a week once the season, uh, once camp starts. So look for one next week, and then we'll get rolling uh, for sure after that once training camp starts twice a week. Front Nationwide for Allison Lucan, for Tom Reed. This is Aaron Portsmouth with The Athletic Columbus saying thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. 